This is The Anatomy of Eloquence, a podcast that dissects the innermost workings of great communication. I'm your host, Nick, communication strategist, brand theorist, and resident didactic. For the last decade, I've been helping startups and CEOs reshape their communication with the world. I'm Andrew Yang, not the former presidential candidate, but I was a former presidential speechwriter. And for the past 10 years, I've worked with national leaders, public company CEOs, and startup founders on their communication. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Anatomy of Eloquence. Today, we're going to flip it around a little bit, where rather than looking at a specific speech or pitching technique, we're going to just talk about something you can do in your everyday and that's to have verbal tai chi. The idea behind this is just simply, rather than constantly getting into arguments with people and disagreeing black and white, your side, my side, is how do you redirect someone's argument? How do you redirect their energy to take it back at them? So Andrew, you actually have a really good story about this, uh, doing it to your your mother, in uh-uh. fact. <laughs> hey, man, it's... It's like one of the hardest arguments uh, that is true. To, to handle, right? The most difficult in everybody's lives, with. yeah, is with your with your parents or with your children, yeah, or with your with your significant other. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually realize this until until much later because this is not how arguments with my mom usually goes. Um, <laughs> that was when I mean this this was when I uh, single oh, man and she was giving me crap about not being home and basically she and this this wasn't the first time that she said it to me she's like what is this your hotel (laughs) and by the way just to give you context uh, in taiwan in the u.s if you're still living with your mom with your parents by like age what 20 18 it's kind of weird right there's even a movie about it failure to launch oh yeah yeah this also reveals my age (laughs) but how in taiwan however I think in China and, and Japan, it's, most it's, Asian it's countries, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fairly typical that before marriage, you're considered supposed to be at home to help take care of the family, right? Yeah, exactly. And also because real estate uh, is is so is so hard, yeah, ridiculous. In and for example, Taipei, where we live, so most non-married people, unless they're working in a different city, they live with their family. So this was when I was still living with my parents. I think I was like thirty, and they were like. You're never home. This wouldn't happen in the U.S., right? No. U.S. parents would be like, why are you still home? Why are you here? Stop eating our food. <laughs> exactly. But in Taiwan, parents are like, why, why are you never home? Why do you come home at 11 and then leave the next morning? Is this a hotel to you? And I said, yeah, you're right. I'm never home. You're totally right. But don't you always say to me that you want a daughter-in-law? And she's like, yeah. So I said, well, how do you expect me to find her by staying home? And she's like, yeah, you're right. Don't worry about it anymore. Let's go. <laughs> you found the one, you know, like gap, that weakness in her argument. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just exploit it. <laughs> and I, so only, only much later I was, did I realize that I was actually employing a pretty powerful argumentative. I wouldn't even say argumentative. It's a conversational technique. As you said, verbal tai chi. Or you could use jujitsu as well, I guess. 
So essentially what we want to share with is just a basic technique. And the idea that a lot of times when someone makes a somewhat controversial or argumentative statement, our reaction is always to fight back. And the easy way to contextualize this is looking at boxing versus, say, tai chi or jujitsu. Where a lot of times we're going to get away from, you know, the sweet science, and I'm sure someone out there is, you know, no, boxing is much different. But just from an appearance side, boxing is very much this, you hit them harder than they hit you, and eventually you take them down. So when you get into argument boxing match, that's the idea. Who has the bigger haymaker? Who throws the stronger punch? Who can take them out in one shot? Whereas when you're looking at something like verbal tai chi or verbal jujitsu, it's this idea of redirecting energy. So in the case of, you know, your discussion with your mother, you didn't be like, what do you mean I'm never home? I'm here all weekend. I spent, you know, the last week taking you wherever you want. That would have started that very back and forth argument of who did what. Instead, it's like, yeah, you're right. I'm never home. But here's my logical reasoning based on something that you have said. And that just completely changed the energy of that argument. If you want really great examples of this, in the early seasons of Game of Thrones... When it was still good. Yeah, when it was a quality show. Good old days. Tyrion Lannister basically embodies this, right? Because there's a scene where he tells Jon Snow that you have to wear your problems like an armor, right? So it can't get used against you. Well, for him is because he's so used to everyone kind of looking down on him, he found a constant way just to redirect arguments back at them because he can't argue against being a Yeah, dwarf. I even remember, uh, suddenly remember one where um, I think a bandit or, or somebody wanted to cut him in half. Mm-hmm. And then instead of saying, no, 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 don't come in half, he said, then, because people call him the half man. Yeah. And then he said, well, then I will be the quarter man. <laughs> just doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> so he just like constantly has this ability to take what someone, a statement that someone says and just sort of accept it and then redirect it back. And there's a really great clip where in a very short amount of time, he does it to Cersei three times where she constantly throws something at him and he just turns it back around on her. You brought this on yourself. I've done nothing. Quite right. You did nothing when your son called for Ned Stark's head. Now the entire North has risen up against us. I tried to stop it. Did you? You failed. That bit of theater will haunt our family for a generation. Rob Stark is a child. Who's won every battle he's fought? Do you understand we're losing the war? What do you know about warfare? Nothing. But I know people. And I know that our enemies hate each other almost as much as they hate us. All right. So outside of, you know, really fantastic TV show writing, how does this get used in the real life? Well... The first example, and one that we worked with a startup before, was the idea of redirecting an investor's questions, where a lot of times when founders get questioned by investors, their immediate reaction is to argue back or to like start to bring out all this quote-unquote proof and evidence to contradict what the investor said. But there was one case where it's a medical device startup is pitching their product. And the investor goes, your company has no breakthrough technology. There's nothing unique about this. This is like a very common question in Taiwan too. Yeah. 
because Taiwanese investors are are pretty obsessed by like technical technical barriers. Yeah. You have no technical barriers. How many patents do you have? Exactly. In how many countries? And this is yeah, you'll see that all the time on companies in Taiwan, especially that come out of the research institutes. Like slide number three is like this is how many patents I have. Yeah, in all of these different countries. So in typical fashion, this investor is just hammering them with it. There's nothing special about this. The basic argument would be like, no, 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 no. Our technology is unique in this way. We have these different features. It's flexible. It's fast. It's kind of a change. But what the team did. That was very smart. Is they just sort of accepted that answer, and they said, "You're right. That's the point. It's not breakthrough technology because this is for hospitals, and hospitals are very wary of new technologies. They're very risk adverse. So integrating brand new technologies, brand new systems, is not something that they like to do. So what we did is we took existing, proven, familiar." Solutions, and then we simplified and improved the UI and UX workflow, which means they can trust that it's not going to break anything inside their hospital, but it drastically improves the interaction between medical staff and the actual technology itself. So that was that turnaround. It wasn't. Oh no no no! It, it's different. Yeah, we let me. It wasn't. It. Let me prove to you how new our technology is,、yeah. which would be the brute force, right? Because then you're holding your position of no, no, this is new, and then the other side is holding to the position of no, this is not new. Instead, you're basically yielding your position, and you're saying、right. you're right. This is not new. That's why it's going to be successful. Because I have a strong logical foundation to come at with why I chose this route. I'm explaining my strategy. I'm not fighting you on features. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. New technology. Good luck convincing hospitals and yeah, and,、uh, it's like yeah, you have something experts,、right? new and fancy, and this happens with any technology. Is anytime someone makes a truly breakthrough technology, you have to have early adopters, and then it's usually years before you have mass adoption. Yeah. Well, what happens if you can just enter a mass adopted market and just drastically improve their experience where they only want to go through you? Yeah. Another place where where you can really apply this is also in in the workplace, because a lot of、uh, arguments happen in the workplace, right? When、uh, things are busy and tensions run high, we've seen quite a few times people explode at each other, and this is a place where, like, knowing how to employ verbal tai chi or verbal jujitsu. Can actually help you de-escalate a situation because often you may you may see something like one person. Accusing the other of being super impatient, the boxing response to "man, you are just way too impatient" would be, "What do you mean? Sight proof. Tell me the times when I was impatient. What do you mean? I'm a patient person. I can give you tons of examples where I'm patient. The other day, you were using the vending machine, and you took like a minute, and I didn't even say anything to you. Right? You can imagine this going back and forth yeah. already. Yeah, but the other time." And you're basically trying to cite the most powerful evidence,、right. and who has the strongest evidence and the most instances to cite.、Mm-hmm. And you can see that's a boxing match. The Tai Chi response again would be using their argument and redirecting it. How might you do it? You have probably already guessed it. To say you're right. Sometimes I can be pretty impatient. In this instance, I'm just really eager for us to hit the next milestone. So. If that comes across as as really pushy, I'm sorry about that. 
know that this impatience is just eagerness uh, for us to move forward. Not only you're accepting, as you're reframing that impatience is not Absolutely. a negative attribute. In fact, here it's actually a positive thing yeah. because that's my driving force for us to get this project done. Yeah, and in part you are also admitting that the and this is I think is a really really important thing to remember is that there's almost always something that's true in what the other person's saying. Right? For example, when that coworker is accusing you of being impatient. And you're probably thinking, oh, let me cite evidence to prove that I am a very patient person. Which usually goes completely the opposite, right? Yeah, because I, almost everybody we know is impatient at some point mm. and regarding certain things. So if you deny 100% of, of their argument of, or their experience and observation, then you're denying that percentage that's actually true. Mm. And there's it's almost always the case that there's an element of truth in what the other person is saying. And so there are a couple of choices, right? You can become a boxer and you can say you're wrong and I'm going to beat your position. Mm. Or you can take what, I, what they're saying and recognize it. And that kind of de-escalates um, the emotion as well. Mm. And then you can say, yeah, there's a, there's a reason for that. Or you can use it to say, there's also this other aspect. You're building on it. And this, I think, reminds me a lot of, of our political situation right now and the state of social societal conversations and debates, which is you often see two sides just yelling at each, at each other. What are they, they saying? The way that they're redirecting, they're not actually doing redirecting, right? They're having a boxing match. Yeah. They're saying, you're wrong. Let me cite evidence. And yeah. it's very logical. They can, they can tell themselves that they're being very, very logical. But it's not very productive because they're refusing to recognize whatever is true and what the other person or the other side is saying. They're extending it out that just because like this part is wrong, it extends to you're 100% wrong. It's not that I recognize that there are good or bad sides to an argument or that there are, like you said, there are truths to certain things that you said that need to be recognized. It's because I disagree with even 5% of what you said, 100% of what you want to argue is irrelevant because I'm going to redirect it around that 5% that I drastically disagree with. Yeah. And this is where you end up with things that are debates that are very one-sided or people are just not listening. Absolutely. Recently, there's I, I heard this story. It's such a good story in, in a book titled More Money Than God, written by Sebastian Malaby about hedge funds. And as cites this story, there was a, this uh, debate at a university between a famous investment finance professor and Warren Buffett. And the finance professor was trying to make the point that the advice given to you by famous investors are pretty much completely useless because investors don't actually have any any valuable insights, any pattern to their investing success. They're just lucky. Because honestly, if you take, let's say 10,000 people, you put them in a coin flipping contest and inevitably like five of them or however many of them are going to, I don't know the probability science here, I don't remember perfectly, but inevitably, a few of them are going to come up heads five straight times. That's just luck. So if you look at investors that have succeeded investing multiple times, it's just luck. He was trying to make that argument. And Buffett wanted to make the opposite argument. He did not use a boxing approach. The boxing approach would be, no, you're totally wrong. And let me, let me show you evidence that you're wrong. That may have worked. If one side's evidence simply better, but Buffett <laughs> decided to build on this professor's argument. 
Yeah, so he he goes even farther where he exaggerates and goes, okay, let's just say we give a thousand orangutans a coin and we put them in the same coin flipping contest. If what you're saying is true, then inevitably you're going to end up in the same result where 40 of these orangutans are going to come up heads and feel really good about themselves, get overconfident, and maybe go hit on female orangutans using their special coin flipping techniques. He says, that's the random chance side. But if I look at distribution and I find that half of those orangutans come from a single zoo, I'm probably going to start digging into what's going on at that zoo. What's in the water that these people are drinking that connects them? Right. And he made an analogy, right? If we find that cancers, a certain type of cancer is concentrated in a certain neighborhood, you won't chalk it up to random chance. You're going to, again, like like you said, look at the water. You're going to analyze the water, what's in the environment. And so... Then he gets into a longer discussion about distribution, which means when I find these pockets of people who have more success, and in the case of investing, the distribution was not so much location, it was over mentorship and what school of thought they came out of. When you look at distribution from that standpoint, you actually find that certain hedge fund managers that came out of one sort of mentor, say like a Ben Graham or came from a similar school of thought, even when their investments are not in the same companies, their abilities to reach success higher than the market rate is consistent. And so this is where eventually he makes his countering argument, but he doesn't just go be like, well, you're wrong. Let me show you the evidence that proves that. He goes that logically, if I take out your argument to an extreme, but then I connect it to what my counter argument is, it's much harder to argue. And I don't come across as argumentative. Right. I come across as, let's go through an intellectual thought process that feels a lot deeper than, no, you're wrong, let me prove you. Yeah, absolutely. So next time that you're in an argument, whatever your context is, be it the workplace, a social situation, or when you're meeting with an investor and they're challenging you on a certain point, and you feel the urge to turn into a boxer, to put on your gloves, to cite the most powerful contrary evidence, we would encourage you to just stop for a moment and ask yourself, is there an element of truth in what they're saying? If there is, is there a way I can build on it? Take what they have given me as a proposition and say, you're right on this point, definitely. Now let's extend that. Let's build on that. And building that into an argument in a different direction instead of batting them down. I think you may very well notice a shift also in the atmosphere in the room. Right. When a group of people are building on each other's points and arguments and evidence and examining them objectively rather than trying to discredit or to bat each other down, you're going to see that shift. Yeah. Actually, in the case of the extreme is I've seen it where someone has taken this, turned someone's argument or words back around to the other side. And rather than continuing, the other side just stopped talking, like period. Because it's not an argument of this is your side, this is my side. It's let me show you the logical foundation that causes problems with your side's argument. So either A, they end up having to step back and think about it, or two, they just give up. They don't argue, they don't start a fight, they just walk away. 
as Andrew said, the next time you get into an argument, take a step back. Think about how to practice your verbal Tai Chi. And we'll talk to you guys next time. See you.